0: Well, we've read the Christmas story. We've done our calisthenics up, down, up, down as we've sung all the great carols. Just a few minutes, we'll turn out all the lights as we sing some of the great carols as a conclusion to our service and we'll symbolize how the light that has come into the world has spread out through the world as we will take a single light off of the Christ candle and pass it throughout the congregation. Before we do so, And I'd like to just take a couple of minutes for us to to pause and think about the the meaning or the significance of Christmas. Some of you who know me pretty well know I'm kind of a a sports nut, you know, enough so that when I'm driving around in the car, I frequently listen to sports radio. I, I can't take it all the time, but I can take it pretty much most of the time. And so when we're in the car, I'm usually listening to one of the two stations. And, you know, over the last few weeks, they... There have been a few times where they've just kind of made me mad, you know, not because they're talking about the Patriots or the Red Sox or the lockout in the NHL or whatever, but they get into the times where they'd be talking about the Christmas celebration. And they'd be lamenting the fact that people had forgotten what the real meaning of Christmas was all about. And me being a pastor, when I hear that kind of statement, my ears kind of perk up a little bit and I'm interested into what I hear. I'm, I'm hopeful for doing it here. And then they would say, well, you know, because Christmas is all about family, and believe it or not, it would make me want to puke. And I'm not sure you're supposed to say that on Christmas Eve, but, you know, it, it would make me want to puke. I just want to scream. You know, we just read the Christmas story. Did you read much in there about family? Sure, Mary and Joseph got married. But when the angels came and announced their message, they said, didn't say, Good news of a great joy that Joseph and Mary got married. You know, I mean, the very title, Christmas of is a big hint, isn't it? That Christmas is about Christ. You could argue when he was actually born and are we on the right calendar or whatever, but this is the time in the year that we traditionally pause and we celebrate the coming of Christ into the world. Christmas is about Christ. And in particular, when you look at our theme verse for our Advent season, this proclamation of the angels to the shepherds, that they came bearing good news of a great joy for all people. And that Message was that a Savior had been born, who was Christ the Lord in the city of David. When you when you dig just a little bit deeper and you recognize that Christmas is about Christ, what you begin to see is that Christmas is about grace. And that always confronts us with a choice. You know, one of the things I've seen in this Christmas journey for me, you know, when I have a love-hate relationship with Christmas, it's, you know, we spend four or five weeks a year, that's like, you know, that's a good portion of the church year, talking about just three chapters in the New Testament over and over again, you know, and it's hard to come up with anything fresh, but one of the things that God showed me this time is the importance in the role of choice in making Christmas happen. You know, God had a choice to make. He created man and woman. He put them in the garden. They ignored his instructions. They disobeyed his commands. He had a choice to make. What was he going to do with this issue of sin that was now in the world? The breakdown in this relationship between God and man. God could have chosen just to back away and let man go his way. But God made a choice that he wanted to solve that problem and reconcile to restore the relationship somehow with himself. Christ had a choice to make. Philippians, a book written by the Apostle Paul, tells us all about that. That even though he was in heaven and he was God, and he enjoyed all the privileges of God, He didn't consider those things something to hold on to, but he chose to let go of them. And it says, and he emptied himself and became a slave, became one of us, flesh and blood, infant child that need to grow into adulthood. And then he even went to the point of being obedient to a death on a cross. We've read tonight about the story of Mary. Mary had a choice to make. The angel shows up in her life and says, Mary, I got a great message for you. You're favored by God. And he goes on to tell her that, God wants to bring his child into the world through her womb. You know, we look at it on this side and say, well, wow, pretty cool. What an an honor. But for her, it was full of risk. You know, she lived in a society where they killed women who got pregnant before they got married. She didn't know what Joseph was going to do. She didn't have any idea what it was going to be like to be the mother of the Son of God. And yet she made a choice. And her choice was, I am God's servant. Let it be to me according to his word. We've read about Joseph's choice, right? Joseph had a choice put to him. He, he wasn't so sure that he wanted to marry a woman who was carrying somebody else's child. And so he made up his mind to put her away. And then an angel showed up and spoke to him in a dream. Could have said, well, I, yeah, it's just a dream. I'm not going to follow that. But he chose to acknowledge God's leadership in his life. And he took Mary to be a part of his life as his wife. And he fathered the young child, taking it to Egypt to flee it to, to flee trouble. And, and the list goes on. And, and you could just continue to populate the Christmas story with the significance of choice. And you know, you and I, as we confront God's grace, we need to make a choice. Guillermo talked to us tonight about the choice that he made. How he recognized at some point in time that somehow or another just doing religion instead of really walking with God demanded that he make a choice. You know, but we have a hard time with this grace that God has brought to us in Jesus Christ. You know I more than one seminary professor would tell you that the hardest thing that they have in doing and teaching their students about the is to teach them about the significance of grace and what grace really is. I read one time about a seminary professor who used his final exam as a living laboratory of grace He would teach all semester long and all of the students would kind of follow along and they you know and he he would hand out typical tests as the semester progressed but when we get down to the final, He would intentionally make it it an extremely long and troublesome and difficult, if not impossible, final exam. And the students would walk in on that final day of class, ready to take their final exam. And and he he would say to them, now, read through the whole test before you start to take the exam. And then right there in bold instructions at the top of it was, read through the whole final exam before you start to take the test. Of course, some students, they'd see the length of it, and they just didn't want to take the time. And they'd, they'd bear in, and they'd start to work their way through it. Some of them, you know, as, as they as they watched other students get up and begin to leave very quickly in the class, they, they said, man, I, I'm just never going to get through all of this. And somewhere in the midst of this, there's no way I'm going to pass because I don't know hardly any of this stuff. And they would just give up and quit. Others would slug their way all the way through to the end. And then they would see why they were told to read all the way through. Because at the very end of the exam, there was a box that said, you can either take this exam Or you can choose to check this box and sign your name and receive an A for this test. And believe it or not, there were even a few who who would take the whole test, get down to the end, see that, not believe it, and still turn it in without signing it, wishing to stand on their own merits rather than, the hopeful gift that this professor was willing to give them. Others would begin to read through the test, and they'd make it, and they the sweat would begin to come on the brush. There's no way I'm going to pass this. And they get to the final end, and they think, is this this really true, (laughs) you know? Can it really be just that easy to check the box and sign the name? You see, a lot of us, we we struggle with grace the exact same way. We find life to be a very difficult test. It's a hard thing for us to do, especially when we think about trying to be good enough to kind of earn our way into heaven. And we get into the journey, and some of us say, there's no way I'm going to make it, and we just kind of settle for where we're at. Others of us, we keep fighting hard and saying, we're trying to get better, and we somehow or another, we think we're going to try to get to be to a place where we're good enough. But God has stepped into our world in the Christ child, who grew up perfectly before us, and had died on a cross in our place, so that you and I can get to the end of the final exam just check the box and sign our names and receive the free gift of God, which is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You see, it is by grace that we are saved by faith. Christ came to be a savior for us. That happens not by our effort, but by God's grace. And it demands that we make a choice. I want to invite you tonight in the name of Christ to make that choice. You need to. You, Oh, how do do you do that? You know, Guillermo kind of hinted that. What was that transition like? What was it all about? Here's what I would suggest to you, using our metaphors of tonight. One of the things you need to do, you just need to tell God, I can't finish and pass this test on my own. You just need to confess that to him. God, I don't know all the answers, and, and I'm getting some of those answers wrong. And then ask God to forgive you through the grace that he's made available in Jesus Christ and to place your faith in him as your Savior and as your Lord, to trust in him. In the back of your pews, we've put these little cards in there. What I'd like to, if, if this is a, a step that you're ready to take tonight, I'd like to invite you to grab one of those cards before our service is over. You can fill it out here or when you get out in the lobby. There's a resource table out in the lobby. You can take that card by there, and they're going give, to give you a little resource packet. There's a Bible in there. In the front of that Bible, there are some great study guides. It'll, things that will kind of lead you through the Scriptures and help you to understand what it is that you're really reading. There will also be a little packet in there about what you can do over the next 30 days in your journey to really begin to maximize your experience of grace in your life, this gift that God's brought to us in Jesus Christ. And there will be a few other little follow-up things in there. And you just quietly go by the table. George, our associate pastor, will be out there, and he'll be ready to give you one of those Bibles, and you can just hand him that card. There is good news, and it should be a cause for great joy because to all of us today, a fresh can be born in our hearts a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray before we sing our final songs. God, thank you for the gift of Christ. Father, the best and most creative writers in Hollywood couldn't have come up with a more incredible story of how it is that you wanted to redeem a fallen mankind. God, we thank you for the gift of grace. We thank you for the choice that it creates for us. We pray for wisdom tonight as we make that choice, as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now in just a minute, we're going to sing our final two songs. The lights are going to go totally out. I don't know what the musicians are going to do, so if the music sounds funny, you'll kind of know what's happening. We're going to turn all the lights out. And then we're going to light a single candle and I'm going to begin to pass it out to all of you. The only thing I ask you to do is keep your candles upright, all right? So the wax doesn't go on the person next to you or down below. And then when we get done and we've sung our final songs, we invite you just to place your hands. over your candle before you blow it out so you don't blow wax on the person who's next to you or in front of you either. And you can take those with you as you go. Let's stand and celebrate this great gift that God has given us in Jesus Christ.